to Bible Quest, the Wednesday afternoon edition. Uh, I'm Joe Works in Elmira, New York, and uh, Chase Byers is joining us in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Chase. Hi, Joe. How are you today? I am good. And Jeff, how are you doing uh, in Exton? What? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what happened, Jeff? A uh, sudden rain burst with hail. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'm glad that you have uh, survived that and uh, uh, are inside where it's dry. It was Uh, pretty violent. Yes. Speaking of which, thank you for that great segue there. (laughs) That's that's great. So we're going to talk this afternoon about uh, gentleness and violence. Um, uh, Going to hit at this probably from several different aspects. We may end up going down some trails uh, that we uh, had not intended to be the main points, but that's okay. For anybody that's listening, joining us uh, uh, either on the Zoom app or through Facebook, please, if you have any questions or comments, uh, type those in. We'll try to include those as soon as we can. Um, We very much want you to participate in uh, our discussion this afternoon, Uh, so please feel free to do that. And so, to talk about this issue of uh, violence and the Christian versus gentleness and the Christian, uh, maybe before we get too far down the road, one of the things that we're that I am in particular, and I think I can speak for all three of us, uh, we are not trying to make a list of something that you can and cannot do beyond what the Bible says. Um, and so, one of the things we're going to try to do this afternoon is talk about how to make some decisions based upon scripture, based upon spiritual principles. But if somebody comes along and says, well, what about this specific sport, this specific um, music, this specific uh, movie, or a specific video game? We're not the judge. Um, uh, I'm a servant of the Lord, and uh, I want to leave it as that. Um, The way that you make applications to the things that we're going to talk about. That's between you and God. Um, uh, we're going to try to, to discuss so that we can think more clearly and hopefully help others think more clearly about how to make those decisions so that as we stand before God, we can do so uh, without shame. Uh, anything else before we begin with that, guys? Yeah, and just, just by way of introduction, Joe, and I was looking at some technological stuff, so if I'm restating things, just tell me to hush. Uh this is really going to make its way into our lives in regard to movies, video games, the type of sports we, we participate in. And those are just some specific things that those are going to apply to that we're going to talk about today. So just as a heads up to everyone. Very good. Yeah. Uh, thanks. And, uh, and maybe there's another area that we're not going to touch on some, something else that maybe you're being affected by. Um, uh, and uh, so you need to make your own applications for this. Um, one of the things that I would encourage you to do as we go on and we talk about things like video games and movies and sports and songs and so forth um, is to not become defensive. You know, as I said, we're not the judge. We're not trying to, to condemn somebody. We're not trying to set sort of some sort of brotherhood uh, list of what should and should not be watched or participated in. It's not our place to do that. So there's no reason for you to get defensive about it. And along that lines, and I'm speaking from very personal experience because I used to do this, whenever somebody would point out something that seemed to really hit close to home, 
I would find something wrong with that person. Yeah. Well, they're being inconsistent. They're being hypocritical. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and confess right at the very beginning. I am not always consistent with everything. Um, uh, had an older preacher one time suggest to me that one of the worst things that a preacher can do is to profess that he is always consistent. Um, uh, because people can see that in our lives. We, we're not always uh, doing and saying everything that we teach other people that they should. It doesn't make us a hypocrite. Uh, it just means that we have things that we need to work on as well. So, you know, you can find problems in my life. You can find things that are uh, amiss. Maybe you can find some things that I'm going to talk about or we're going to talk about that don't match up with exactly the things that, that we're practicing even. That's not an excuse for you. Uh, and so don't get defensive, but also let's just stick to the topic instead of saying, well, but yeah, what about this? And so, uh, because that's really not of any benefit. You can imagine on the day of judgment, somebody trying to stand before God and, and God say, you know, you shouldn't have been doing this. And they say, yes, but Joe was watching this. That's not going to help you as you stand before God. Um, so we're not trying to condemn you. We're just trying to, to help our, all of us, ourselves included, think through a topic that I believe is something that has been overlooked because people don't think that it affects them. So basically, I think what we're going to want to do is we're going to want to talk about the fact that there's a certain attitude toward our fellow man and toward, um, uh, toward violence, um, th those contrasts there, uh, that we should have. And we're going to have to make application of that in our lives. And we cannot just kind of uh, look at the entertainment world and somehow um, line that off as that's separate from my Christian faith. Uh, the attitudes that we're to have as God's people are to characterize our lives, all of our lives. And so let me begin here then by making what I think is a fairly uh, accurate comparison what if you were studying with somebody and uh, somehow the topic of pornography came up and they said that, yeah, I, I watch some, some pornography, um, you know, every once in a while uh, something comes on and yeah, I, I, I watch some of that. Your response would probably be something along the lines of what, Chase? Um, that doesn't make it right. Uh, you know, that, then that's not, that can't be true. Uh, that stuff is evil. It's going to corrupt you. My, yeah. my, my response would be, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we understand that if you're watching something like that, it affects you. Even if you don't go out and participate in it, even if you don't go out and engage in that activity, it's affecting the way that you think. It's affecting the way that you think about women. It's affecting the way you think about yourself. Uh, to, to watch pornography has its effect on people, even if they don't engage in something physically afterwards. Jesus talks about the idea of adultery and adultery in your heart. And so uh, I think we could pretty easily see watching a movie that is, you know, uh, that, that has nudity in it or, or sexual uh, relations in it, um, that's, that's going to affect the way that we think. Um, it's going to affect us negatively. I, I, I want to be clear about that. Why is the same thing not true for violence? We think that we can watch violence 
and, uh, and, and or participate in it and think that it's not going to affect us. Now, somebody can say, but I'm just because I watch some violent movie, I'm not going to go out and, you know, slice people open or go shoot up uh, an airport or something like that uh, as a result of that. And I hope that that's the case. And that's probably the case for most people. They're not going to engage in it. But the question is, does it make you, uh, does it affect you? Does it desensitize you to crime and violence? Um, maybe where you become less sympathetic to victims, maybe where you begin to, to blur the lines on what's okay and what's not okay. I think those are some very valid questions to ask. Now, where a person draws the line on what they're going to watch and what they aren't, each person needs to make that decision but at least be honest enough to say, yes, this, this does affect me. Uh, following through with that comparison earlier, Proverbs 6 and, in verse 27, is uh, the proverb writer Solomon is warning his son to uh, not practice adultery, to not go into that adulterous woman. Uh, you know, he talks about, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? I think there's some effect uh, to, to that. Um, uh, he goes on, can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Uh, so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. There is a cause and effect in life. And uh, whether it's practicing adultery, there's going to be some consequences to that. If it's watching and or participating in violence, there's going to be some consequences to that. Thoughts about that, guys? Hey, if I could take a minute to, to take us back to an Old Testament story, um, just where we see somebody who seemed to not be, uh, he didn't seem to have a problem with bloodshed. Uh, who, were Je- who were Ahab and Jezebel? Real quickly, who were Ahab and Jezebel? Good people, bad people? Uh, wicked. A couple, wicked. Uh, the most wicked couple in the Old Testament. And so God declares judgment is going to come upon, upon them. And one of the means by which judgment comes is a man named Jehu. Uh, and Jehu, uh, the passage in 2 Kings chapter 9 describes Jehu coming to uh, Jezreel. And Ahab is already dead, but his wife, Jezebel, the woman who was uh, a Sidonian and who had encouraged idolatry and who had killed prophets, uh, God uses Jehu to bring judgment upon her. But, but the interesting thing that we're going to see is while Jehu carried out God's judgment upon her, Jehu had a, had a problem um, that we want to avoid, and that's an attitude toward bloodshed and violence. So I'm going to read, if I can, starting here in 2 Kings, the ninth chapter. In the 11th year, in verse 29, in the 11th year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah became king over Israel. And when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. This is a bizarre passage in a couple of ways. I'm not sure what's going on with Jezebel here, but she's getting all dolled up, I guess. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it well, Zimri, your master's murderer? Um, then he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is my? Who is on my side? Who? And two or three officials looked down at him. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down threw Jezebel down out the window and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And he trampled her under feet, underfoot. 
When he came in, this is just stunning. He trampled her underfoot. And when he came in, he ate and drank. Well, what, I mean, what kind of a man can say, throw that woman down here in the street, trample her with his horse, and then sit down and eat and drink? Even though she was a wicked woman, and even though it was God's judgment that was to be brought upon her, this attitude of Jehu, is it right? Well, later on in the book of Hosea, in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 4, the Lord said to him, name him Jezreel, a child that's going to be born. For yet, now that's the city where Jezebel was killed. For yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu, the man who trampled Jezebel, for the bloodshed of Jezreel. And I'll put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. God actually established Jehu's throne after him for four generations, was it? Or five generations? I think four generations after him to the fourth generation. Four, four, four after him, yes. And that was because he'd carried out the Lord's will and, and executed judgment. But Jehu is not characterized as a good man who was right in the sight of God. He is characterized as a man who followed after the evil. And his problem seems to be, even though he was carrying out God's will, he didn't have a problem with bloodshed. He, he could eat and drink after trampling a woman with his horse. I tell that story to say this. Yes, there's violence in the Bible. And yet the Bible paints a picture of us as creatures of God who are to have compassion upon others and compassion for others. And Jehu lacked that. Good, good point. Uh, I'll just point out as well, I think you see that also in Joseph's brothers. You remember when they throw him into the pit, Yeah. they go out and what are they doing? They're eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. They've just thrown their brother into a pit and yet they're, they're moving on from this violence like it was nothing. Um, and in, maybe this isn't a perfect example, but I mean, David was a man of after God's own heart, but he wasn't able to build the temple because he was a man of bloodshed. That was going to be a job for Solomon with Shalom, the idea of Solomon being a son of peace. Um, but for what it's worth, I, I do think, well, although you do see bloodshed in the old Testament, you see a line that even God would draw. Yeah. And, and I think that's maybe that whole idea of eating and drinking. Uh, if I could try to make an application here, um, what if you were watching that scene with Jezebel and Jehu? Um, imagine that you see that unfolding and you just happen to have a bucket of popcorn with you. You know, can you imagine just like watching that, you know, he, he rides up and has this conversation through the window and you're just sitting there munching on some popcorn, just watching that unfold. I suspect that your stomach would be turned and either you would get sick or at the very least you would absolutely lose your appetite in that. And yet some of the movies, and again, I'm not going to try to draw lines. Uh, Earlier I tried to give some name examples and uh, was extremely dating myself anyway uh, from movies. Uh, But you know, if you go to a movie that is just filled with blood and gore and, uh, you know, just violence for the sake of violence. And you can sit there with a bucket of popcorn and a soda uh, and just, you know, munch on that as, as you're watching this as entertainment. I think that it would be, could I just say the word foolish to say that you've not been affected by it, by violence? 
or if, if that can be entertaining to you. And and I'll you know I'll I'll say right right up front I like action movies I enjoy the action movies and sometimes there's violence in the action movies but what Joe's Joe you're pointing out here is we better we better not just wall off our uh, life of seeking entertainment as something to which the principles of God's word don't apply and if the principles of God's word are that we should be a certain kind of person who abhors bloodshed who aspires to be gentle, who aspires to the gentleness of Christ, who loves our neighbor, um, do, we want to be, do we want to be putting ourselves in a position where we become acclimated to killing other people such that we would, um, we could get used to the idea and so that then in, re in real life I could be in a situation where, you know, I, I had to kill him, but, you know, it didn't bother me. You know, we don't want to get there. And, and I think one of the places that we begin to see that crossing over where people are affected by it. So we have the movies where, you know, throats are slashed and skulls are split open with axes and chainsaws. And, and not only is it done where you hear a sound, but you actually see it taking place. And then videos, live videos are, are posted on, on YouTube or whatever of a shooting that takes place. And it gets millions of hits and people are in the comment section below are talking about, I would have emptied the magazine on him and things like that. <laughs> it's not a movie. These aren't actors. There's not stunt doubles. They're, these people don't go home afterward in the YouTubes. They're killed violently. And yet people watch them with, again, as a form of entertainment, as, as, as enjoyment. You know, we were having, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day. There was a shooting, I think, was it this morning in a Walmart in Mississippi or someplace? Yeah. Yes. California. And we've gotten to the point now where every week, someplace, three or four people get shot. And it's just, well, that, you know, we're used to it now. And, and of course, there are a lot of people who think that the problem is guns. I'm not here to, to rail about the Second Amendment. I'm not here to say, hey, we have a right to bear arms and all of that. That's not my point. But my point is, is this. It is truly a distraction focused on guns and not on our character. You know, a lot of people complain about the idea of going backwards to the 50s. They don't want to go back to the Ozzy and Harriet days. They want, don't, don't want to go back to the days of Father Knows Best and all of that. Uh, but you know what? It's interesting when you think about those days. People had guns. A lot of people had guns. But people didn't shoot each other like they do in our culture now. What's changed? My point is not to defend guns here. My point is to say we're ignoring the real problem. The real problem is culture has changed. People have changed. We're raising a generation of people, maybe a couple of generations of people, who for some reason or another, is it the movies they watch? Is it the video games they played? Is it just the lack of believing in a God to whom we are accountable? Is it the lack of believing in an absolute right and wrong? Is it public schools that have encouraged the idea that all truth is relative? Whatever it is, we've raised a bunch of people who, when they get angry, they think that it's the thing to do to go just shoot people. And that's contrary to what we read in God's Word. That's just the mentality, let alone the shooting of people. Good, good. I, I just want to, this might be a complete change of subject altogether, but I just want to say, um, as far as consistency goes, I know in my life, whenever I would let violence or, or letting some type of violence into my life, whenever I would let that slide, whenever I would let that be a compromise 
in my walk with Christ, I would find myself making other compromises in other areas as well. It might desensitize me to violence, but it also would desensitize me to other things as well. Um, especially I, I was relating to um, Joe and Jeff earlier in the podcast. This is not something I'm proud of, but, but when I was in high school, video game nerd, all that good stuff, I, I played a video game. Um, and one of the levels, it had you take up a, a firearm and shoot up an airport you were part of some Russian mob or something from what I remember. And I remember as a kid, I was like 14 or 15. I didn't think two things about it, but I look back on that now and that really bothers my conscience knowing that I, even though it wasn't real, I was doing that in some type of game of some kind. And I know for a fact with all the other struggles I had going on in high school, that video game certainly wasn't helping things um, with purity or with, with anything. It was only hurting um, and it, we, we've talked about this a couple of times. We were talking about the gentleness of Christ, guys. I think it'd be helpful to read Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's really interesting because later in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul will say, now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Paul's appealing to that same meekness, that same gentleness that Christ called us to all the way back in Matthew 11. Um, and we've got it. We can't compromise in any way when it comes to gentleness. Something the Lord expects of us. Go ahead, Jeff. You something? I was say, you know, at the risk of sounding like we're chasing our tails and saying, well, we're saying this, but we're not saying that and so forth and so on. We've got a problem here because it's not something where we can draw a line and say you can never watch a movie that, that shows somebody getting stabbed or shot or whatever. Uh, somebody will be quick to point out there's a lot of violence in the Bible, and there is. I read the, the account of Jehu trampling Jezebel, and there's accounts of people. There's a guy who... Uh, Ehud, Ehud and Eglon, and he runs the, the dagger through, and it comes out the other side, and, and as I think the King James said, the dirt comes out. You know, um, There are some fairly graphic descriptions of violence in the Bible, and so it's not that all depictions of violence are wrong and that, and that we're going to say you can't ever watch a movie that, that has a depiction of violence. Um, but what we are saying is that we need to think about the kind of person the Bible teaches us we ought to have, be, kind of mentality, mindset that we ought to have toward our fellow man, and then ask the question, are the video games that we're letting our kids play, are the movies that I'm watching, are they the kinds of things that are going to create a person who is unfazed by bloodshed, who could easily see himself taking somebody's life? And, and I might just add to this, and somebody's liable to think this is a slippery slope or whatever, but what kind of a reputation am I, am I developing amongst people that know me, that watch me participate in or cheer on those kinds of things? Um, one of the things that I think most of the men that are going to be listening to this would recognize is that we ought to be striving to be elder. Uh, we ought to strive to have the qualities of an elder. Um, doesn't mean that we will all become elders or that we all should become elders. Certainly not. But we should all strive for those qualities. Those, those, are, are, those qualities are, as Paul says in both occasions, above reproach. And, and they describe a blameless man. And both in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, 
you find in the description of a man who is the kind of man that God would want as a shepherd over his flock is a man who is gentle, a man who is not given to violence. Uh, had somebody recently asked me uh, in, in relationship to these descriptions that are given there of this individual, um, well, how much violence is, you know, is not given to violence? Um, how much violence would be okay and him still not be given to it? I don't have an answer for that. Uh, it doesn't mean he could never, ever have gotten angry. No, I don't think that's the case. But he, his character is formed as somebody who is not a violent person, but who is a gentle person. Um, and so we have to step back and say, if I'm watching these things and I'm participating in these things, is it leading me closer toward gentleness or is it leading me closer toward violence? Mm-hmm. And that's just something that each one of us have to um, honestly evaluate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once we do that, then we stand before God with that decision. And for anyone listening, that's First Timothy 3 and verse 3 that, that talks about that. You know, Christ is our role model in all things. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, Paul writes, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And, of course, everybody famously, everybody knows how Jesus famously cleansed the temple, actually twice on two occasions. And he goes in and he takes, uh, he makes a, a, a cord of, of strands to make a whip. And he turns over the money changers' tables and drives them out of there. Um, I would assume if he's driving them out and he's using a whip, he's snapping that whip so that they have to run to avoid it. Um, so, okay, you have a man here who is not just a milk toast character. You've got a man here who has some strength and some courage and he's willing to stand up for something. And he is willing to stand against some people who were doing something that was making a mockery of his father's house. And yet he could be described as meek and gentle. So that's an interesting contrast. I don't think we want to take from that that, okay, so I can go, I can go slit somebody's throat and still be considered gentle. But what we are saying is that gentle is not opposed to strength. Gentleness is not opposed to courage to stand against what is wrong. Yeah, in fact, in both of those texts, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, gentle is opposed to violence. Um, and so the, the shepherd is going to protect the flock by defeating the wolf or the bear, uh, thinking about uh, some of David's words there. Um, uh, and so there, there may be some situation when action is required, but that action is to protect somebody else, to defend somebody else. Uh, maybe try to tie a couple of points here together. Um, think about Jesus on the cross. He had all the strength, you know, he had all strength. Um, and yet he allowed himself to be killed on the cross. Uh, the cross, the, the depiction of uh, the, the crucifixion, bloody, uh, you know, horrible scene when we read through it. I can remember, and Drew reminded me of this a few years back, when uh, the movie came out, The Passion of Christ, uh, I went to that with some other Christians, and we, we watched it at the, the theater, and, and it was stomach-churning. I mean, uh, trying to, to watch through those events, there was no joy in watching that, and, and it's not just because it was Jesus. That certainly is the great reason 
But just watching that take place and realize that that actually happened to somebody and, and how horrible that was, we shouldn't take any glee in, uh, in that kind of, of violence uh, occurring on any scene. Um, that's not a joyous occasion. Joe, do you, would you mind telling the story about your kids that you were telling us earlier today? The, um, your house, not not well, that this has to be everybody's rule. It, it, sure. it wasn't the rule in my house, and it wasn't the rule when I was growing up. But sure. I thought it was an interesting. I thought it was an interesting story and helpful. And, and, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to share that. And, and again, as we talked about at the beginning, we're not trying to make rules for other people, uh, but maybe this will help you and, and maybe you can improve on it. I'm, I'm sure that you can. Uh, but when it came to things like video games in our house, we didn't have a lot of them. But one of the rules that we had for our children, whether it was at our house or if they went to somebody else's house, was that if it was a shooting game, that they were not allowed to participate if it was shooting humans. Now, obviously, it's, it's virtual or, or, you know, it's, 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 it's fake. But I did not want my children to become desensitized to, to killing somebody. Uh, I wanted them to see every human as having value, as being made in the image of God. And so if it was a video game where the shooter was going out shooting machines, you know, maybe it was a robots or something like that, uh, then, then I, that was fine with me. Um, you know, they're, they're shooting machines. That's, that's not blood. That's not taking a life. But when it came to, to some sort of, of action or violence where they were shooting, you know, the enemy, another, maybe another country or something like that in a war game or something, then that was forbidden simply because I wanted them to be sensitive to, uh, to life and death. And as a result, none of your kids have gone and shot up a school, right? They, they haven't. They haven't. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm yes. glad for that. I just, but, but really, in a serious point, if we raise our children uh, that way, uh, how likely are they at some point to value human life, have such little value for human life that, that they would get out of sorts about something, angry about something, and just go kill people? They've been raised, they've had it instilled into them that you don't do that. They're not likely to grow up and, and join the military. They're not likely to grow up and um, go off, uh, you know, well, go off with a semi-automatic weapon and shoot up a nightclub. They're not going to do that. Um, and, and not only not commit the action, but I wanted that to be in their hearts. Again, thinking about like the Sermon on the Mount not only did I not want them to commit adultery, I didn't want them to think about committing adultery. So I didn't let them watch pornography on TV. Right. Not only do I not want them to murder, I, I don't want them to be thinking that, that boy, I really want to do that. Um, so yeah, I, it, I, that's just I, my I, I Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Oh, I just... You know, we didn't have a lot of video video games in our household that our kids played either, but I didn't have that rule. I didn't tell my kids, you, you can't um, engage in any kind of uh, imaginary play where you're you're killing people. I did not tell them that, but but I can see some wisdom in that. I mean, for example, would you want your kids uh, with a video game in which they are having their, an imaginary, their role-playing committing adultery? Uh, would we want them doing that? Not if, at all. No, we wouldn't. We want them to understand, no, that would be wrong. That's immoral. You're to abhor that. Uh, you don't want to get comfortable with that. Yeah. And let me just say this, too. If, if there are parents out there who are 
if you're not monitoring the video games that you're buying for your kids, I would encourage you to start doing that. There are websites that do a great job of outlining. You just Google the video game to figure out what all is involved. But at the very least, if you can't figure that out, call me or text me um, and say, hey, Chase, is this what's in this video game? And I, I can do the research and find that out for you. But trust me, today you want to be researching what's in video games because it, it can be very violent and very sinful what, what's involved in it. Good, good point. As, as parents, I, I know that you love your kids. I know that you want to do right for them. So we have to make conscientious decisions at, at every step, uh, at every age, um, and, and at every turn. And sometimes I know that was pretty awkward for my kids. They would go over to somebody else's house and everybody was playing a video game and they would say, you know, Micah, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. And they would say, no, I can't play that. And I always gave them the out. You know, you are always welcome to say, my dad doesn't let me. Um, and, and I was okay with that. Um, uh, but, but sometimes that was awkward for them. But you know what? We're not a part of the world. And so we're going to have awkwardness where we're going to say, I can't do that. Um, I would think in similar ways, and maybe somebody thinks that, well, the, the, the adultery or pornography doesn't really match up. What if, it, what if it was a game where you were stealing things, um, uh, you know, but you're not really stealing, but, but you're able to sneak into somebody else's house or the store and see how much you can get. Uh, well, we would think, well, no, I don't want to, I don't want to set that sort of concept in their minds. I don't want them thinking along those lines. Violence is the same way. And, and just again, we're really, what we're really doing here in the webcast today, we're talking about an attitude of gentleness that is to characterize God's people and a love for the fellow man that would see a fellow man's bloodshed as, as something distasteful, something we would not want to cause. And so now what we're saying is we need to take this principle and figure out how do we apply that in our lives. And some of what we're saying here, there's some judgments that you're going to have to make as parents. And, 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 I haven't had a lot of experience with, with video games, but it, I'll say something in this, in this vein of thinking of, of encouraging parents to think about the judgment here that you're making. One of the things about video games, especially when you have a child, I'm talking now not so much about social video gaming where you have kids playing together, but where you just have a kid who just sits down and spends hours at a time playing video games by himself. Number one, he's, he's not learning to interact with other people. Number two, if he's playing these video games where he's role-playing, killing other people, he is, if he's spending hours every week not interacting with real people, but imagining himself killing people that are really nothing but images on a screen, he's growing up detached from human connections and seeing human life cheaply. I don't think that's a healthy thing. Sure, it's easy as a parent uh, yeah, go sit down and play a video game, and that way he keeps me, him out of my hair, keeps him from fighting with his brother or sister, keeps him off the streets, all those things. They're more positive ways, more time-consuming ways, more ways that require more emotional investment, but there are other ways in which you can occupy your child's time that are more healthy. But if you just say, yeah, sure, go sit down and play a video game. I don't care what you're doing. And he grows up disconnected from other people and immersed in a culture of bang, 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 shoot them when you see them. I don't see that producing a healthy individual. And what it, 
a lot of times what it does, especially as they get better at that, is it produces a sense of bravado that, you know, they, they, they walk away feeling like they're bigger and, and badder maybe um, than, than others because they were able to defeat that TV. So then when little brother comes along, maybe that's the reason, you know, you're, you're, you've created a vicious cycle. Go play the video game instead of argue with your brother. But when the video game's over with, now he's, he's got this sense of, of conquest and of being tough. And uh, we don't need to be raising sons who are, are, are bad. Uh, I mean, and I mean that in the, the figurative sense, who are, who are tough guys. Um, we need to be raising gentlemen. Um, uh, Simon Harris had a series that he did several years ago, um, and I'd love to hear him do those again. Maybe we can just have him on and talk about those at some point. Uh, but he talked about the, the title of the, the series was Becoming Gentlemen. And he began by just breaking that word down. We want our sons to become men, but we want them to become gentle men, not t- tough guys. Um, uh, you know, we, we want them to be gentle. Um, that's what God wants us to be. It's, it's the image of Christ that we're trying to put in them, not the image of some, and again, I'm not even going to try to uh, come up with some uh, uh, modern uh, actor. Uh, uh, we don't need them to imitate Hollywood or you know, some other uh, video game or whatever. We need them to imitate Christ. Can we bring Philippians 4.8 into this conversation? That'd be a good one. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We, we ourselves need to think on good things, and we need to, in, in our children's lives, see that they are being brought up learning to think about good things and aspiring to good things. I've got a question I want to ask if, um, if that's okay. How would you all define violence? That's a good question. Um, how would you define violence? One way I've heard it put um, by, by a viewer a couple of weeks ago, it would be violence would be defined as anything that you're doing something against somebody's will. So if you're wanting to bend their arm a certain way and they don't want it to go that way, that would be considered violence. And so if that's the way we're defining violence, then there would be a lot of things we could not do. But I, I just wonder how the Bible would define it. Well, let me, let me do this first, uh, because the word violent and violence is not used a lot in Scripture. I, in preparation, I went and looked, I think, at all of those passages. Yeah, it looks like there's 64 of them. Yeah, but, but they, they don't often, and we talked about how sometimes the words, uh, what we're saying has multiple meanings. What I'm giving is, when I'm talking about violence, I'm talking about the way that we commonly use the word today. And here's, and here's uh, the, the, dic- the dictionary definition of it. The use of physical force so as to injure, abuse, uh, injure, abuse, damage, or destroy. Uh, and and that's, that's the way that I'm using the, that word today is, is just the, the common way of using it, the use of physical force so as to injure, abuse, damage, or destroy. Um, uh, and, and so 
when we talk about violence, it's not always against, how did you say that, against somebody? Yeah, when, when you're pushing someone to do something against their will. Okay, and so that would even fit some of the violent sports. You have two people who have opposing wills. Uh, you know, both of them, are, their will is to win this fight, if you will, whatever it is. Uh, one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago was things like MMA. Um, and so you have two people who are opposed, opposing wills. And by the definitions, and, you know, I, 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 I'm not an MMA expert, so I went and looked at a lot of the, 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 the holds and the fight maneuvers and so forth. And just down the list, and this was from MMA sites, down the list, it was talking about the chokeholds and so forth that, that they would put on. And that's what they're intended to do is to take out the other opponent, to, to hurt the other opponent so that he will tap out. Um, uh, you know, they don't tap out just because you've held them down for a period of time. They tap out because you have pounded their face, because they feel like their bone is going to break or it did break. You are hurting them against their will. They don't want to be hurt. Um, uh, and so in, in some of those settings, I think violence is, a, is exactly the appropriate word to use. Yeah, well put. So I think we, we have to watch that. One of the other things that struck me about some of that, and since that was one of the specific questions that came up a few weeks ago, was MMA being violent. One of the things that I did is, again, I try to do my research. I looked at MMA sites. I looked at MMA debates for and against. I read articles for people that were in favor of it. Um, uh, you know, uh, athletes talking about the benefits of it and so forth. And it still came down to this question. You can have a lot of great things about MMA, but here's a couple of things. One is, are you trying to hurt the opponent? Because that is the option. Uh, that is the, the motive is to hurt the other opponent to a point where they give up. Right. Uh, to, to subdue them, but it's through pain. You're, you're subduing them through pain. Um, uh, and the other thing that really struck me was not so much the athletes themselves, but was from the spectators. And so I watched a series of MMA battles and watching the spectators, it, it brings to mind the gladiator days, uh, you know, uh, the, the Roman gladiators and the, the bloodthirsty crowds. Um, you know, I don't want to be a part of something and maybe I am going to make some application for some people, but I don't want to be a part of something that is, by and large, I mean, by a, the, the, the crowd was overwhelmingly cheering for somebody that was being uh, against somebody who was being bloodied, um, uh, you know, and, and grossly hurt and knocked out and getting concussions. And the crowd is going wild for that. How's that different than the, the gladiator sports uh, of, of old? Um, you know, we ought not to be entertainment for people who are bloodthirsty either yeah and and i'm going to play devil's advocate with you because this is the argument some people will come at is say well you could be playing tennis and people watching you could be saying you know hit him in the face you know hit him with the ball that doesn't make you wrong for playing the sport and so but if the overall culture of that sport is what you just described is that something a christian should be a part of in the first place Sure. Uh, you know, uh, it, that is that is 
the, the purpose of tennis is not to hurt the other opponent. And so that would be a big distinction. And then second, the spectators are overwhelmingly not acting in a bloodthirsty way. Um, you know, so there may be some sports that there's a line that is kind of difficult right. to, uh, to take hockey. I don't think hockey intrinsically is something that a Christian can't play. And yet some people watch hockey hoping for a fight more so than for a good hockey game. Hmm. In fact, if there's not a bloody fight, they don't feel like it's a good hockey game. I don't know so much. I haven't kept up with hockey in recent years, but when I was a kid, that that was kind of the mentality in hockey. I, I used to enjoy watching a college hockey uh, match. If, is that the right word? Uh, hockey game. Um, but when it came to the sports, uh, to the to the professional level, there was a lot more of that cheering for the fight going on. So that was a place where I made an application. The co- at the college level, it was more athleticism athleticism and finesse and team play, even by the fans. Now that may have changed as well because I haven't, but the point I'm making, I'm not trying to say you should only do this and you should only do that. Let's make decisions based upon what's gentle, what's encouraging godliness from others versus what's encouraging a bloodthirsty attitude from others. And so the point about hockey is I don't want any of our viewers to go away thinking, oh, they're saying hockey is a, is a bad sport or hockey or Christians can't play hockey. No, that's not the point at all. I think you could play hockey. But the point is, what about our hearts? What's going on in our heart? If I'm, if I'm a spectator of hockey and I, I just love to see it when a guy gets his teeth knocked out, that's a problem. That's a problem with my heart. So if I can sum up just real quick, what we're saying, viewers, is – we have drawn these lines for ourselves. This is why it would be sinful for me, Chase Byers, to participate in, in, in MMA or, or, or something along those lines. So th- these are lines that we've drawn for ourselves, and we're just encouraging you all to, to draw lines for yourself but be able to do so scripturally based off of godly principles. Amen. Uh, we're out of time, and so we'll leave it at that. And if you have more comments, please feel free to uh, include those uh, even after the broadcast is over. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Joe.